and uh, Brother Philip uh, ministered here a couple of weeks ago. And at the end of the service, he asked us if anybody felt like they were just stuck in the same boat. Just same old, same old, same circumstance, same situation, same. And many of you were here. And then Brother Philip declared to us what? We're going to get a bigger boat. How many likes a bigger boat? And what he said about a bigger boat was, is that with a bigger boat, we could carry more people. We could go faster. We could go farther. You know, with a bigger boat, you can go out further into the deep. You know, you, you don't want to go out in the middle of the ocean in a kayak. You, you, you need a bigger boat to go further. And so as he began to declare that, man, I just got excited. Because I like boats. And every man knows the only thing better than a boat is a bigger boat. Huh? The only thing better than a motorcycle is a bigger motorcycle. Only thing better than that, two motorcycles. I, I showed the guys today, they were back in the fellowship hall, back in my office. <laughs> Have my desk sitting out in the middle of the fellowship hall because our floors are tore up. They came Thursday to lay new floors and got the glue down and then put the first piece down and it was the wrong floor. So I'm out of my office right now, and I was sitting out there in the middle, and I, I showed them, I called them over, I said, well, look, guys, if y'all are looking for a pastor appreciation, a gift, here it is. And I showed them a new motorcycle. <laughs> it's a Harley trike, a three-wheeler, with a big, nice back seat for Miss Amy so she could be more comfortable when we ride. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Got excited about that new boat. Went home and Amy said, you, you, you know he was speaking spiritually, metaphorically. I'm like, no, no, he was speaking for reals. I'm getting a bigger boat. He said, no, someday. But today, we're going to talk about getting a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. Now, listen, I don't know if you saw it. I remember See, I remember, anybody remember Monterey House? Old Bronx, now all you young people, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Monterey House, behind Monterey House was what? Drive-in movie, okay? Big screen back there. Well, as kids, we would go to Monterey House, we would eat real fast, and then we would go out back behind there and stand and watch the movie. Couldn't really hear it. But we could see it. And I remember as a kid, not saying, didn't see all of it till years later probably. Donut. Donut. What's that? Jaws. That big shark. Listen, that's the famous quote 
from the movie Jaws. They're out there in the boat. He's chumming the water. And about that time, Jaws comes up. And he backs up. And he says, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Because to land something big, you're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to talk today about getting a bigger boat. A father uh, asked his son one time, he said, son, what size is God? How big is God? Isn't that a question a lot of people want to know? This little boy was inquisitive. How big is God? His father looked up in the sky and he said, Son, see that airplane? He said, Yeah. How big is it? The little boy said, It's very small, Dad. I, I can barely see it. So then the father took the son to the airport. And as they approached the airplane, he said, Son, how big is that airplane? And he said, Dad, it's huge. And the father said, Son, God's size depends on how close you are to him. The closer you are to him, the bigger and the greater he'll be in your life. That's why Jesus said, Draw nigh unto me. Because the closer we get to him, the greater he is in our life, the bigger that he is, and the bigger he wants to do. But if we are going to fulfill, accomplish what God wants to do in our lives, we're going to need a bigger boat, somebody. Amen? Today we're in Luke chapter 5. Very familiar story, but I want to pick out a few things today that I, I trust will be interesting. Luke chapter number 5, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Can just imagine this picture as we were there in Israel and we'll see it again. Many of you that went with us were on that seashore, on that Lake. As they were there and the people got closer and closer and Jesus is backing up and he's right at the water's edge and the people are right there. And he looks and there's two empty boats. Listen, I'm telling you, God's always looking for empty boats. But can I go ahead and just tell you, he never leaves the boats empty. He saw these empty boats and he got into one of them and he said, hey... Simon, push out a little bit. Several reasons. Number one, it got him away from the crowd. Number two, amen, that water acted as a microphone. How many of those voices carry across the water? 
Jesus was able to sit there in that boat speaking and all the people here in the crowd. And when Jesus was finished, can I tell you this morning, God will never ask to use something that he don't pay for. God's not cheap. He said you can't outgive God. If you lend your talents, your abilities, whatever you have, if you give it to God, He will always repay you. He asked this fisherman, hey, I need to use your boat. He allowed him to use his boat as a platform to preach, a pulpit. And when he was finished, Jesus said, when he finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Now, these are professional fishermen. They had fished the 12 hours all night. They had come back to shore, and they were now washing their nets. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's not an easy task. Fishermen get out there, and they throw these huge nets, and when they pull them back in, what does it have in it besides fish? Everything. All kind of trash and seaweed and and sticks and rocks and it gets tangled all up in the nets and when they're finished it is a chore it wasn't a little bitty net that they rinsed out under the sink this was a major net that these are professional fishermen and they were there fished all night they're exhausted they're tired they're washing their nets and I'm going to tell you something there's nothing more disappointing than fishing and not catching no fish now Part of fishing is not about catching fish. Because here's the deal. You, you, you can sit around and do nothing all day long, and they'll call you a bum. But if you do it in a boat, they call you a fisherman. <laughs> but it is fun to catch fish. It's the purpose, the thrill. But they weren't doing it for fun, for sport. It was their living. And when they didn't catch a fish, they didn't get paid. And they didn't have anything to take home to the wife. And if mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. They got to go home and tell their wives, we didn't catch any fish. We didn't get a payday. But Jesus asked to use what they had, and Simon allowed it. And then Jesus said, hey, won't you go out there in the deep and cast your nets? And Simon said, Lord, I know you're a teacher. I'm a professional fisherman. We fished all night. We fished at the best time to fish in this lake. We didn't catch anything. But I want you to notice something that he said. He could have stopped there. He could have said no. But listen to what he said. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night, didn't catch anything. 
But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Oh, we're going to talk in a minute. We're going to talk about three different things. This morning, four, we're going to talk about four things that we need bigger. But as we look at this story, if you say so, according to your word, according to your command, we've already done it, and it didn't work. But you know what they didn't have before? What did they not have last night that they had today? Jesus in the boat. Oh, when you get Jesus in the boat, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen? So, at this time, their nets... So, he said, I'll let them down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats, boats were filled with fish... And on the verge of sinking. Wow. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Anybody ever feel that way? Oh Lord, I'm too, just, just depart from me. I'm, I'm too much of a sinner to hang for you to hang around me. I've got too much doubt, too much unbelief. He realized the miracle. But Jesus didn't get out of the boat. He didn't leave him. He said because he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him, his partners James and John and the sons of Zebedee were amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be a fisherman of people. He said, you'll be a fisher of men. And what was Peter's response to that? Was it a word? Did he say something? Listen, God's not looking just at what you say. God's looking at your actions. He said, get Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, Peter... You're going to be a fisher of men from now on. Look how this closes. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Whew. Somebody say, we need a bigger boat. Listen. They couldn't believe what happened. All of a sudden, they caught tons of fish. Their boats were about to sink. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's think about this for a moment. What were these men? Fishermen. Why did they fish? For a living. For money. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything. They didn't make any money. Jesus asked to use their boat. They let him. They gave him what they had. They were obedient in what they had. And Jesus filled their boat up so much that the boat began to sink. Now, when they got to the shore and they followed Jesus, 
Did they leave all the fish in the boat to rot? What do you think they did with it? They sold it. They got a harvest. They got the biggest payday that they had ever had. And then they walked away. See, there's a whole bunch of you, every, every one of you. If you hit a big payday, you know, you know you're not going to work in the morning. I don't care how much you love your job. If somebody gave you multi-millions of dollars tonight, you're calling in tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to make it. Huh? Come on now. The impossible. God did the impossible. If we, we're going to have to have a bigger boat, if we're going to do what God, if we're going to hold, contain the blessings that God has for us, if we're willing to give the Lord what we have, we're going to need a bigger boat because he's about to fill it up. He's about to move in your life. He is about to give you supernatural supply. Amen. But to do what God has called us to do, amen, we're going to need bigger faith, bigger grace, bigger vision, and bigger obedience to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Let's talk about it. How are we going to get bigger faith? When I say bigger faith, do we need more faith? Yeah. He said, you already have a measure of faith. And he said, if you have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, if you have that much faith, you can say to a mountain, move, and it'll move. So it's not the size, it's the potency. That's why the disciples said, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. You see, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. But he wants to increase our faith, not more faith, just the ability to use what we have. To believe for bigger things. To believe for greater things. To believe that he is and that he will do what he said he will do. Lord, I fished all night. I don't think I'm going to catch. But if you say throw my net in, I'm going to throw it in. That is just blind faith. Trusting in not what you know, but trusting in what he knows. I need to activate what faith I have because all things are possible to them who believe. He said, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you have. Everybody say have. What is that? Past tense. You already have it. And it will be future tense. God, the work's already been done, amen, but as my faith is activated, I bring it into my future. I bring it into, amen, the fish were there, they just weren't in the net. But when they activated their faith and they did what Jesus said, that those fish got in their future, and then they got in their boat, amen? We begin to faith. Listen, 
I like this in the Message Bible. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. King James, faith is a substance of hate. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen to it again in the Amplified. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. Oh, listen, remember Thomas? I'm not going to believe it unless I see it, unless I touch it. And Jesus revealed himself to him. And he said, Thomas, you're blessed because you see and believe. But more blessed are those who have not seen, yet they still believe. I haven't seen it. But by faith, I receive it. And I want a bigger faith so I can receive a bigger harvest. And to do that, I'm going to need a bigger boat. Amen. I saw this cartoon of two Eskimos going ice fishing. And uh, the one Eskimo, he had cut a hole in the ice of what you would expect about the size of a manhole. I mean, you, you let your hook down in it, and you catch a fish, you bring it up. But then the other Eskimo, he had a hole about 50 feet wide and shaped about the size of a whale. He was anticipating pulling up a big fish. How many knows you're not going to pull a whale up in a hole that big? Huh? Listen, you gotta get your faith on it. You gotta enlarge your faith. Amen. It's not you don't need more of it. You just need the potency. You just need to believe it greater. You just need to trust him more, knowing that he is able. Amen. God is not limited except by our belief and our faith in him. If we're gonna do what God has called us to do, if we're gonna need to get a bigger boat, then we're gonna need a bigger grace. We're going to need a grace to endure our trials. I'm telling you, in the coming days, we're going to see some trouble. This world is already experiencing trouble. We've got all kind of unrest, all kind of issues. And I'm telling you, according to the Word of God, it's going to get bad. But all you got to do is just look around. All you got to do is flip the news on a moment. Amen. There's trouble. There's disrest. There's, but listen, amen. I, my Hope is not in people or in things. My hope is in God. And right in the middle of hard times, God is going to supply my need. But Lord, I need a bigger grace to walk through troubled times. No matter how big or severe your trial is, no matter how big your difficulty, no matter how big even the obstacles are before you, God is able to help us overcome them. Everybody say, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to succeed. But to do that, we're going to need a grace. Paul, thrown into prison, tortured, beaten, faced death constantly. But you know what he said? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See? What we like, we use that scripture, I can do all things. We're talking about, I can do all the good things. I can do all the fun things. I, I, whoo, I can fish more, I can play golf more, I can hunt more, I can do all this, I can have all the fun more. No, 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 no. That's not what you need grace for. You need grace to endure trials and tribulation. 
You can have fun on autopilot. Huh? When your bank account's full and your pockets are jingling, I don't need much grace. But when I'm broke and the bills due and the creditors are calling and I get the past due notice, I need a grace to believe. I need a grace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen, to go through the trials and tribulations of this life. Amen. None of us, amen, could face or have faced what he did. Yet, amen, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil if we have grace for it. My daddy had such a grace on his life to fast. He fasted 40 days and nights with nothing but water. Ten times in his life. And one time he fasted 43 days. I said, Daddy, why did you go 43? He said, well, it was three days to Thanksgiving and I thought I'd just go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Many 21s and 7s and 40. He was a man of fact, but he had a grace. I remember hearing the story, the organization they were in, uh, they, they, they called all the preachers together. They knew Daddy was a man of prayer and fasting had done it many times. And so they called all the people together. And they said, we're going to have a corporate fast. We're going to all the preachers. We're going to all do it. As a few days begin to go by, those, those guys begin to fall out. <laughs> they begin to quit and give up. Why? Because they didn't have a grace for it. They were just, listen, it's a whole thing when you have a grace to do something and you feel like it's from the Lord versus somebody else telling you you're going to do it. Huh? When somebody else tells you to go on a diet, you're not going to make it past lunch. But when you make up your mind and you determine and you do it yourself and you have a grace, you can do anything. You have the grace to do. But we need a bigger grace if we're going to face the time of trouble that is coming. And I'm not, you're saying, but, but, but I'm not Paul. Yeah. Me either. But you know what God said? On the day that you need extra strength, God will supply it. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have the grace today. You don't need it today. You need the grace the day you go into the trouble. And he just said, on the day that you need the strength, the God, God will supply it. Because he is ever present. He is right there. When, when God, when you go through trouble, when you lose a loved one. Yesterday, I had to preach the funeral of the gentleman a week ago. 43 years old. Went to Winona High School to pick up his son from band practice. And a 22-year-old had taken his parents' vehicle and was driving drunk and killed him. I'm going to tell you something. Yesterday, that wife, those two children, they needed grace. And I tried to preach it to them. I tried to tell them, you can make it through this. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. This does not have to define your life. I'm going to tell you something, church. You don't live to yourself, and you don't die to yourself. I know what you're saying. I can do what I want to. I'm my own man, my own woman. Ain't nobody tell me what to do. Nothing you do is to yourself. Everything you do 
affects everyone around you. Both of those families today are devastated. Those lives devastated, lost. One went into eternity. One will spend his life in prison. Neither one get to experience what God intended for their lives. There are consequences to our actions. But when other people do things, you didn't even have anything to do with it. You're minding your own business, doing your own thing. Somebody else, something else brings a trial or tribulation into your life. That's when you need a bigger grace to get through it. And God is the God of bigger grace. Can I say amen? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. You can perform all the duties you need to do. God will never ask you to do something greater than you can perform. He'll never give you a task that he won't give you the ability to do. He asked Moses to be a speaker. Moses said, I can't. I have a stuttering problem. Jeremiah said, I can't. Gideon said, I can't. Everybody, But you know what? They stepped up, and God gave them the grace to do it. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and he gives them the grace to do it. Amen? Listen, we all have different kind of temptations, outward, mental, emotional. Some are tempted to give in to depression and despair. We all have a weak point. Every one of us have a weak point. But we've got to learn not get to give in to that weakness. There was a truck driver sitting in the truck stop enjoying his meal. Had a big nice shake and a big piece of pie. And about that time three rough bikers walked in, walked up to his table. The one grabbed his plate and ate his food. The other one grabbed his shake and drank it down. The other one scarfed down his pie. The truck driver humbly bowed his head and got up and walked away. Three bikers laughed and said, He's not much of a man. A few moments, the waitress came by and said, Hey, he's not much of a driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles. <laughs> Sometimes we want to get even. Sometimes we want to get back. We want to retaliate. But listen, God will give you the grace to say no. Huh? Come on. You been there? I wanted to. First Corinthians says, No temptation has overtaken you, such is not common to man, but God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear. But with every temptation, make a way of escape that you may bear under it. Listen, you can handle. You don't have to give up, give in, do crazy things. Just say, God, I need your grace to get me through this. We need a bigger grace. We need a bigger vision. 
If we're going to surpass where we are, if we're going to get a bigger boat and fill it with bigger things, we've got to have a bigger vision. Because listen, you're never going to accomplish anything if you don't first envision it. If you don't first see it for yourself. You, if you think you don't deserve it, if you don't think you'll ever do it, you won't ever do it. You've got to begin to have a vision for it. For the Bible says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. You see, vision is important. Because everything that's been done by God through God, amen, was given to somebody as a vision. Abraham, leave your house. He did. Abraham, go outside. Look up. What do you see? Stars. Count them. I can't. Yeah, so shall your descendants be. Abraham, look at the sand. How many Grains of sand are there. Too many to... That's how you're... He couldn't envision that. I mean, he didn't even have a son. He had no heir. He made some mistakes along the way trying to do it on his own. But God fulfilled. And today, you and I as Gentiles who believe, the Bible says we have the inheritance of our father Abraham. We're still the descendants, spiritually. Amen. His descendants are continuing. He couldn't see that. You've got to get a bigger vision for your life. Get a bigger vision for your business. Get a bigger vision for your children. Get a bigger vision, amen, for your finances. And then begin to work it and walk it out. But you've got to believe it. Hey, but people are believing. They're looking for something big enough to live for. We've got to live on a bigger scale. There was a preacher preaching in West Texas, and the last night of the revival, a big man, seven foot tall, came. He says, as you can see, I'm very large. I surround myself with large things. And I heard what you said about this salvation. And that sounds to me like the biggest thing a man could possess. Eternal life. That's big. Heaven is big. We've got to dream bigger. We've got to go after bigger vision, purpose, plans. Because God said, I know the plans of how far you They're plans for good and not evil. Amen? Listen. Can you imagine it? Oh, the imagination is a great thing, isn't it? It can be a bad thing too, can't it? Imagination. We, get, we need to get our imagination sanctified, don't we? Sometimes we imagine the wrong things. Sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes we imagine ourselves failing before we even try. We can't do that. We've got to get our imagination sanctified because God uses our mind in three ways. Number one, we, our mind replays the events of the past. Then our mind and our consciousness processes the events of the present. 
But then God has given us the ability to pre-play the events of the future in our imagination. If you can imagine it, you can achieve it. You, if you can dream it, you can do it. But we need to get our imagination sanctified, number one. We need to get them under the blood and say, Lord, I want my imagination. Because the Bible talks about a vain imagination. Believe in all the wrong things. Imagining the wrong things. Fearing the wrong things. Our, our imagination sometimes can run wild. Anybody ever had not been in bed and heard a sound? And all of a sudden your imagination. I mean, it's everything in the world. All it was was just an old creaky board. Creaked or popped or your own old bones. Your snoring spouse. Or, and all of a sudden you had a burglar in the room with a knife ready to cut your throat. That's a, that's a, that's a vain imagination. We let our imagination run wild. But listen, these functions have a good purpose. Listen, David used his memories of the past. I killed a lion and a bear. And then he used his mind and he pre-played. Goliath said, I'm going to feed you to the birds. And all of a sudden, David used his imagination. And he could see it in his mind. And he said, oh, you know what? I'm going to let this rock go. It's going to hit him. He's going to fall down. I'm going to pull his sword out. I'm going to chop his head off. And guess what he did? Exactly what he imagined. Joseph, young boy, God gave him a vision of the future. His imagination. I saw the sun, the moon, the stars bow down. I saw my brothers bowing down. I saw myself in the palace. And then his brother sold him. And then Potiphar's wife lied on him. And then he ended up in prison in the pit. But you know what? He didn't allow his mind to see the pit. He allowed his vision to see the palace. And guess what? One day, everything that he imagined Everything that God showed him came true. What are you imagining for yourself? What are you pre-playing for your future? It was Jesus going to the cross that said, it's not the cross I'm looking at. I'm pre-playing. I'm imagining the other side of the cross. I'm not focusing on the nails. I'm not focusing on the beating. I'm not focusing on the crown of thorns. I'm not focusing on the dead. What I'm going to focus on and imagine is the resurrection and the salvation of generations. I'm going to look beyond the trouble. I'm going to look beyond the pain. And I'm going to imagine the future. The Bible said that he endured the cross what was ahead. We've got to begin to imagine greater for our life. It was Rose Crawford that was blind for 50 years until she had an operation in Ontario, Canada. 
She said, I can't believe it. As the doctors lifted the bandages, she wept. For the first time in her life, she saw beautiful colors and she saw the world. And she was amazed. But she was saddened to find out that that surgery had been available for 20 years. You see, Let's don't go through life blinded when there's healing available. There's grace available. There's something bigger available. You know what the doctor said? The doctor said, she just figured there was nothing that could be done for her condition. Now listen, there's many people that are in circumstances and situations and they're thinking and they're imagining there's just nothing that can be done. There's nobody that can help. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing going on that somebody can't help. And when nobody in this world can help, amen, we know somebody that is not of this world. We have a heavenly Father and we have a Savior that is able to do the impossible and He can do it and He will do it. Amen? Last one. We're going to get a bigger boat. If we're going to get a bigger boat, Jesus borrowed the boat. And then he said, let your nets down. But Lord, we've already fished all night. But if you say so, if we are going to have a bigger boat, we're going to have to have bigger obedience. How many would like for your kids to have bigger obedience? Well, why don't you have bigger obedience? Why don't you obey quicker, faster, without complaint? Why do you always question why when told to do something? Just make your bed because I said so. Take out the trash because I said so. And God is saying, just do it because I said so. And we're going, but why? I don't understand. I don't get it. Sometimes you just need to obey. Obedience. The result of surrender. Hmm. We sang that song tonight, today. I trust you. I trust you. Listen, the, the only kind of surrender that God accepts is unconditional surrender. You hear me? Lord, I give you my life, but I don't give you that. Lord, I give you all of me, but not my money. I, I give you, no, 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 no. He, the only kind of surrender he takes is unconditional. He wants all of you. He wants everything. Because he knows how to do better than you. And he wants bigger than you do. He sees life bigger. And he's trying to enlarge your vision. He's trying to get you a bigger boat. But we got to obey in, in, in complete faith. Listen, James, he's talking about our faith being completed. The state of believing consists in obeying. To not obey is because we don't believe. Why, why do you think in 1 Peter 1.14, what are Christians called? Children of obedience. Are you, are you a real Christian? 
Well, Pastor, what? Yes, yes, Pastor, I, I go to church. That's not what I ask you. A real Christian says, they're the children of obedience. Are you obeying the Father? Are you obeying the Master? Have you obeyed? See, how do you, how do you get saved? Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive. Well, I'm not confessing my sins. Well, then he can't forgive your sins. If you'll obey, if you'll confess you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you can't do it on your own, He'll give you eternal life. But if you insist on doing it your own way, there's many that will stand before God and He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. We can't do it our own way. We've got to do it His way. You know what the Bible said about Jesus? He learned obedience from what He suffered. Oh. You mean my trials, my tribulations, my suffering, sometimes teaching me obedience? Yeah. Sometimes you've got to learn to surrender. You've got to learn to say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. Sometimes obeying doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Jesus at the wedding of Canaan. Hey, take those dirty water pitchers that people use to wash their feet and go serve it as wine. What? And they did, and the guy was like, Woo, this is the best stuff we've ever had. Obedience. Huh? He told Naaman, the, the, the leper, Hey, go down there and wash in that muddy water. I don't want to. There's cleaner water. Just do it. His servant said, He did it. He was healed. Sometimes obedience doesn't make sense. Huh? Peter need to pay his tax. And Jesus said, Hey, go fishing. And he caught a fish, and there was money in his mouth. Listen, sometimes God, what he does, it don't make sense. He just wants you to obey him. You do what he said, he'll do the rest. Amen? Elisha, the, the, remember the, the waters that were bitter? He threw salt in it, and they became sweet. What? Sometimes God does crazy things, doesn't he? But to obey God by faith doesn't make sense, but it's trusting God more than trusting yourself. Wow. Anybody remember Arnold Palmer? Who's Arnold Palmer? Oh, I thought it was that tea that's tea and lemonade. That is an Arnold Palmer too. Arnold Palmer, great legend golfer. True story. Arnold's playing a tournament in Saudi Arabia. The king of Saudi Arabia is so impressed with Arnold that he calls him and he says I want to give you a gift Ar Ar Arnold said thank you sir but, but that's not necessary <laughs> all the people around him were, oh my goodness they said you don't say no to the king of Saudi Arabia when he understood and realized his error that he was about to offend him he, he, he reconsidered and he said hey man I'm sorry, hey, get me a golf club. That'd be great. So he, King said, okay. So he, Arnold's thinking, I wonder if he'll get me a driver or a putter, what he'll get me. The next morning, listen to this. A messenger from the King came to Arnold's hotel with the title deed to one of the golf clubs in America. 36 whole golf course with trees and lakes he gave him a country club. 
Arnold said, yeah, just give me a golf club. He's thinking a club. The king is thinking a club. Listen, you're thinking too little. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is thinking bigger for your life. Start thinking bigger. Start believing bigger. Start asking bigger. Say, Lord, I'm ready for my new big boat. Amen. What's made you stop dreaming? What what has seemed too big to ask God for? It's time to ask bigger. Listen, when you have Jesus in the boat, see, that's the main thing this morning. Get Jesus in your boat. Is he in your boat? Is he in your car? Is he in your house? Is he in your checkbook? Is he in your marriage? Is he in your children? Oh, come on, listen. When we, first of all, we got to get Jesus in the boat. And then we can get a bigger faith, a bigger grace. Huh? Come on. We can, we, we can get a bigger obedience. We can do greater things and bigger things. Listen, the Lord wants to fill your boat up. He wants to overwhelm you with blessings. He wants to give you that payday. What they do? They took all those fish. They sold them. They took the money. And they said, Woo! Let's follow Jesus. They didn't follow Jesus broke. That's not a popular preaching right there. We're going to follow Jesus. Je- Jesus said he didn't have a place to lay. He's just broke and poor. No, he wasn't. The disciples, the, Judas was the treasure. You don't need a treasure if you don't have any money. Do you realize Jesus' tunic, his, his undergarment, was what they said was so expensive that they didn't even want to tear it. They cast lots for it. It wasn't just some broke, poor... It was probably a blessing. Somebody gave it to him. He had, he had big vision for his future. But listen, God never asked you to do something. God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And He's trying to get something through you. But you've got to stop living like this and start living like this. Bigger grace. Bigger faith. Bigger obedience. Come on. And then God will fill your boat up. But what's the main thing He wants you to do? Follow Him. Father, this morning... I thank you. I thank you. Lord, your vision for my life is bigger than my vision for my life. My, 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 your success for me is bigger than I can even imagine. Lord, help me to see me the way you see me. You don't see me as a failure. You see me as a success. You don't see me as a sinner. You see me as a child of the Most High God. I was a sinner, but I confess my sins. And you forgave me. Lord, today, you see me as healthy. You don't see me as sick. You see me as whole. You see me as prosperous. Lord, you see me fulfilling my purpose. And Lord, that's exactly how you see everyone in this building today. Lord, I pray that you would stir their faith to ask for bigger. Ask for larger. Ask for greater. Father, I pray that you give them a bigger faith. Bigger obedience. Bigger grace. Come on, Lord. Let, 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 let things 
stir within them today. Let them see what they can do. Let them use their imagination for good today and go, what could I do for the Lord if he filled my boat up with fishes? What could I do? What do you want to do for the Lord? Come on, if you'll dream it, God will make it happen. If you'll say yes to his vision. But my question for you today, is he in your boat? Today, if you're in your own boat all along, trying to row, trying to go upstream, trying to make life successful, you're failing. You're, you're, you're miserable. You need Jesus in your boat. You need Jesus in your life. Today, would you invite him into your boat, into your life, into your future? Would you pray with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Your vision for me is big. You see me as a child of God when I see myself as a failure. You see me as a son, a daughter. You see me as healthy, whole, happy, peaceful, prosperous, you see me blessing others. Lord, you see my future. Help me today to see the vision for my life the way you do. So Jesus, I invite you into my boat. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Today, I'm ready for a bigger boat. Everything that goes with it. I'm ready to obey you. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. I'm blessed. Come on, shout. I'm blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. Somebody give Jesus.